everybody. Hello. Hello. Before we get started with this very special episode, uh, let us tell you some things. Let us whisper some sweet somethings into your ears. Ah, uh, yes. Whispering, the favorite medium of every podcaster. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, as you know, we are going to journey together into two conversations today, one with Brittany Ashley and one with Christine Sutherland. So uh, that's very fun. Before we get there, I want to tell you, well, we want to tell you, we have some dates coming up. Uh, the first one headed your way is Book Club. Uh, if you are part of the Patreon book club, we're going to be talking about Wilder Girls by Rory Power, a book about um, quarantine. So that's fun. Uh, it's super, you know, just like otherworldly. It's like really nice to put yourself in the <laughs> headspace of being in quarantine. Um, that discussion will be on Slack, May 9th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Uh, and the next book after that one will be Tipping the Velvet, which I've never read, but is sort of a queer classic. Uh, So excited to get there, too. And then if you're part of just the general world population at large, (laughs) you can join us on Saturday, May 16th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. We will be watching Buffy's Season 3, Episode 21 and 22, Graduation Day, Parts 1 and 2, together on Instagram Live. Join us. Yes. And if you're going to be missing your graduation, please like wear your graduation cap. Come along with us. We promise that everyone who attends will get a diploma. So, uh. yes. (laughs) And I've been working on Frank's graduation cap. Uh, I've been toiling day and night. Good, good. Stitches are so tiny. (laughs) There's a lot of pressure on that cap. Also, as you know, Joanna Robinson and I have a new podcast that lives on the Buffering Patreon and the Storm Patreon. Uh, It's called Feels Like the First Time. And guess where we're headed next, Jenny? Where are you headed next? Batman. Oh my God. Yes. By the time you are listening to this podcast, I will have watched Batman Returns. I will have watched The Dark Knight and I will have watched Birds of Prey. Those are our uh, three selections for various reasons, which we discussed. So if you don't know, this is a podcast where I watch movies I've never seen somehow uh, and talk about them both before and after watching them with Joanna. And it's very fun. You can get it as a patron on our Patreon or at the Storm's Patreon, which is patreon.com slash storm of spoilers. We are patreon.com slash buffering cast. Hell yeah. Uh, and also, hey, Patrons, 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 while we're at it, let me remind you that on Saturday, May 23rd, I will be conducting a patron Xena hang, ah, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, and uh, we'll be, I think, watching an episode together. I'm nailing down the details. Don't worry about <laughs> you know, it. I'm going to be closer we nailing get to down me. the details till I die. Seriously, this is like the fourth episode where you've been like, I'm going to figure it out. It's going to be like May 22nd. You're going to be like, so not clear yet. Um, There will be a warrior princess. But other than that, like details to come when you join. I, yes, listen, I love it's it. It's going to be fine. I love it. Um, Do you know what else I love? Jenny is our new freaking zip hoodie. A black hoodie in our store with white text that reads, what does it say, Jenny? What does it say? Uh, it says, <clears throat> me, 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 why are men? It says, why are men? It says, why are men? And listen, <laughs> not all men, but you know the ones we're yeah. talking about. <laughs> yeah. The ones <laughs> that are uh, always uh, making sex robots. The ones that are sketching me when I'm asleep for mm-hmm. the me shrine in their crypt. The ones that are always 
leaving town when we break up and fucking off on jungle jaunts. You know how it is. Yeah, we chose to leave the hashtag not all men off of our design, but like, you know, you can do it's whatever. Understood. You, you can, yeah, you can do whatever you want with that. Um, I'm so excited about it. I cannot wait to get my own and wear it all over the place once I can leave the house again. Uh, and until then, wear it inside the house uh, to, I'm sure, the deep conversation between my father and I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the hoodie is up now for pre-order. There's, uh, you know, a lot of fun things in the store, too. The wow pins uh, coming from Jenny's catchphrase, of course, are so awesome, and they're going very quick. Uh, crop tops are restocked. Uh, we have some other things that were out of the store that are back in the store. And also, while supplies last, the queer and forever here enamel pins that came from my work are free with any order. You can just add them to your cart before checking out. So fun things happening in our store, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on shop. Hell yeah. And without further ado, let us proceed. And welcome to a very special episode of Buffering the Vampire Slayer. Did that sound like a crowd cheering? Uh, kind of. <laughs> you know, Jenny and it I... It mostly <laughs> sounded like you going... <laughs> I mean, I just feel like maybe we're a little bit deprived of like having a live studio audience. So I just needed, sure, I just sure. needed to pretend like you were all here with me and Jenny like cheering us on uh, as uh -huh, we journey uh -huh, through this uh -huh. episode of television. Uh, this is our third episode on the body, which I think is uh, important. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about this as we go through these really special interviews that we've done here. But, uh, you know, I just feel that grief, loss, um, the shock of loss, the current climate, the episode and its beauty, there are a lot of ways to talk about it and there are a lot of ways to move through it. And so we've done our best to give you um, many ports in the storm, if you will, to land uh, with your feelings, your little, your little suitcases of all your feelings. We've given mm -hmm, you many places mm -hmm, to dock. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps you'll use all of them. Perhaps you'll use some. But before we get into today's like uh, meat and potatoes of Brittany and Christine, I'm not sure who's the meat and who's the potato, but before we get <laughs> before we get there, um, I wanted to just take a minute with you, Jenny, to talk about the experience of last week and of um, sort of releasing our episode on the body, um, our conversation with Jen Malkowski, and getting to engage with so many of you about your experience of both the episode of television and the podcast. Yeah, all you little sweeties out there <laughs> listening to our pod tweeting nice things at us. What the heck? I know. It just, it, it was so, I mean, as things tend to be in this community, it was so powerful to not only hear how the episode episodes were helping many of you, but also watching you connect to each other. Uh, obviously, you know, we're a large community over here at this point. And so it's, it's just so incredible to see people be able to connect around the general experience of uh, loss, grief, or just appreciation of the representation, but then also the power of seeing sort of some of the nuanced connections happen of people who um, are sharing not only in the experience of loss, but 
the ex specific experience of losing a mom or the specific experience of losing a dad at a particular age. And uh, I know that we've both been seeing those connections happen and those conversations happen. And it's just really freaking special. So wanted to take yeah. a minute to just be like, yeah, you're all great. Yeah, we love you. Hi. Do you know what else I love, Jenny? What? The song that you made with Saul, Simon McWilliams. Oh, uh, thank you. Saul is very talented. Saul is a talented young man. You are both very talented. And I know we talked about it a little bit already, but I just like, I sat with this piece of music for days and I could not stop playing it. I just played it over and over and over again because I couldn't get over how beautiful it was. And I know that um, many of you have also written in about your experience listening to that song. And somebody uh, somebody tweeted at us, uh, you know, I was going to write to you and say maybe you shouldn't do a song because, you know, like the, the episode itself doesn't have any music and blah, blah, blah. And boy, was I wrong. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just interesting how we decide to honor these things and what choices we make, because I do think that that could have been a valid choice. Um, but Jenny, what you and Saul did, whew, I'm going to send it to Christine Sutherland because I, I think that she would really just be so honored to hear it too. Ah, goodness. It was a, a real pleasure to work with Saul and, and a challenge to try to figure out how to do justice to this episode yeah. musically, you know, or try. What was your, like, I know that you can't tell us about the entire creation of the song, but did you have like moments of clarity with Saul working together? Is there anything that sticks out to you about the experience of trying to honor this episode and I think successfully honoring this episode and Joyce? I came into the session, which was like one of the last writing sessions that I had before quarantine started, um, having a few things in my head. And one of them was that, you know, you and I had discussed having the the intro to the song include a piece of the melody from listening to fear. Mm -hmm. uh, the chorus goes, there's no getting used to it. Doo -doo 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 -doo. So hmm. that's how the piece starts. And it happened. It just so happened that Saul, having watched the episode and like having stewed on it a bit, had a chord progression ready uh, that he thought would be an interesting place to start. And it just so happened that my melody and harmonization flowed directly into wow what he was working on wow and so and then we were just sort of like off to the to the races mm -hmm. yeah we had a conversation um about connecting three three of the songs um this being the middle of of the three um and I actually, Jenny, as the co-host of this podcast and the person who asked you to do that, did not even remember that that is what we did. So I think that that nice. might be, I mean, I know that we have some musical geniuses listening, but I think for some people that will be a really exciting thing to learn um, that that connection exists too. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. A pre-arranged connection. And you and Saul and I said this in the main episode, but you know, you and Saul have collaborated before. And I, I just think that it's a magic thing. It's a magic thing when you put two people together who just click in that way like you do. So oh, thank you. So great. Yeah. No, yeah. thank you for, for the song. And I, I said this on Twitter, but it was sort of like, I was the most overwhelmed I've ever felt of like, uh, full of gratitude that that even though I had nothing to do with the song really at all, apart from like a few preliminary conversations, I just couldn't believe that my project, you know, buffering the vampire slayer 
included this thing that like I was even tangential to it that I even got to sit next <laughs> to it um on the grand stage so it just I just am I'm thankful for it and I know a lot of people are so I wanted to give a little bit of voice to that and one of these days Jenny I really think that we should do some special episodes um where you talk about your journey through some of these songs and our journey through some of these songs because it's fun Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's really fun for me. I don't know how interesting it would be to everybody else, but <laughs> well, I love it. They can let us know. They can let us know. If you, if you, if that sounds appealing to you, you just, you know, you know where to find us. Uh, you can email us. You can tweet <laughs> at us. You can just like send us a, an owl with some post in its little beak. Please. Uh, yes. <laughs> so anyhow, um, the reason that we're here today with this bonus episode, this double bonus episode really, is because we know from hearing from you and also from our own experiences that a lot of you relate to Buffy's experience in this episode, to the surrounding characters' experiences. Maybe in the podcast that we put up, you related to our experiences that we talked about. Um, but the the truth of the matter is that the more representation we can put out there, the better odds of you feeling like you've been represented are. So, um, you know, when we went into this episode, Jenny and I knew that it would be really important to talk to someone who had uh, lost their mom. And that can mean so many things, right? Like we are going to mm-hmm. move into this conversation that I had with Brittany Ashley. Brittany lost her mom when she was six years old. That's a very specific experience. It's a different experience than Buffy had. It's a different experience than Tara had. And it's probably a different experience than you had. But neither Jenny nor I has lost our mom. And so I, I just think that hearing from Brittany on her experience of this episode, both as someone who's lost her mom and as someone who hosts a podcast about grief specific to losing a mom um, would be really important. Yeah, how lucky are we to have kind of in the family somebody who could speak to this so personally and she does so not just here on this episode but also Brittany makes an entire podcast called Don't Tell the Babysitter Mom's Dead which she describes as a grief podcast where each episode includes a conversation with a fellow member of the Dead Moms Club as well as an exploration into pop culture's representation of TV and film characters who have lost their mother. It's such a specific, mm-hmm. but, but you know, open kind of universal, like we're all gonna lose people. Mm-hmm. That's just a part of life. Like we're all going to experience a grief that is adjacent to this grief, right? Um, and, and Brittany makes this beautiful podcast where she opens up that conversation, a conversation that can feel taboo or difficult to approach, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and does so really beautifully. She's so great. And the, the podcast is amazing. And, and we're so lucky to have her uh, to talk to today. Yeah, truly. And obviously, this is probably very obvious to you all, but uh, you should go on over there if you are feeling in need of that representation um, or if you just want to hear what she's doing, because it is really important um, and really special. And of course, there is an episode where uh, she talks with somebody and their pop culture reference is the body. So that is over there for you. Uh, but there's so many different conversations that exist over there, including Brittany's own journey, because as you'll hear in our conversation, right, she's journeying with other people. But as is the case with anything, when you're journeying with other people about their experience, you're also kind of unpacking things for yourself. So Uh, Without Mm -hmm. us giving too much underlining to Brittany and what she has to bring to this conversation on the body, Jenny, do you want to go in and and listen to my conversation with her? In fact, I do. Brittany, Ashley, 
Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. So, okay. So, Brittany, a few things about you, or perhaps you, you'd like to introduce this yourself. I was going to sort of tell everybody how the life of Brittany Ashley um, Venn diagrams with the episode, the body in, in multiple ways, but would you like to share with our listeners some of, um, like your experiences and also work that you've done based on those experiences? Yeah, of course. Um, so my mom passed away when I was six years old. And so a lot of, most of my life has been, you know, I identify as a motherless person. And Mm. so I've always been really keyed into these types of representations and I've always really appreciated them when they're done well. And this is obviously done incredibly well. And I also have a podcast called Don't Tell the Babysitter Mom's Dead that I started about two years ago where I interview other people who have lost a parent, usually the parent being their mother, but I'm including some dads in there as well. (laughs) I do a pop culture segment where I look at me and the guests. We look at a representation in pop culture and, you know, kind of discuss how well it was done, the the parts that resonated with us. On that note, since we're talking about the body, how do you relate to this episode personally, especially, you know, losing your mom and being a fan of the show? What resonates with you? I, I think that I've always identified most with like weirdly Tara's experience throughout this episode because like take the scene in Willow's dorm, for instance, Mm -hmm. it starts with Tara in her own headspace. And you could tell that something beyond this specific death of Joyce is on her mind. And and Mm. she seems to be the only one who is a bit more stoic than everyone else. Like, you know, like Willow and Xander and Anya, they're all playing out, you know, specific aspects of the stages of grief and she already seems like she's the one that's already in this acceptance space and she's also the only one who has is in the headspace to be able to complete uh small tasks like she's like uh, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll go grab your sweater um we should you know we should take care of patrolling like she's the only one who knows that even though this horrible thing happened the world doesn't stop and that you have to just you have to go on living, you know, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I do. I've heard of it. And so so even in just that scene before we, you know, before we get that reveal of her when she's talking to Buffy, she already seems like she is the most she's like the expert in the room. And then obviously that scene with Tara and Buffy is 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 absolutely my favorite. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, Buffy up until this point, she is still trying to take care of other people. She, you know, even when it comes up, like you should, you should have a snack. Her response isn't, yes, I need that. It's Dawn could use a snack or, right, you know, she's right. concerned for Tara and she's like, I'm, I'm sorry that you have to deal with this, you know, as mm-hmm. I'm sure that she's like, I'm sure this is really uncomfortable for you. There, there's something there that allows, because Tara knows that rather than telling Buffy what she needs or, all these things that she could do for her in these moments. She, Tara knows instinctively that Buffy just needs the space to be able to talk about how she feels. I, because I lost my mom at such a young age, I've watched friends lose their parent and 
like they kind of have come to me because they feel like right. I'm this this person that they could be comfortable with because I'm not going to like I'm not going to project onto them mm. you, know, you know the idea of like 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 a lot of Willow and Xander's they a lot of their high emotions you know they're they're probably half about Joyce the fact that they that their best friend lost their mother who they've also gotten close with but it's also about their own mortality it's about the fact that their parents are going to die mm-hmm. and and I think that's like what sometimes when you talk to people who haven't had a similar experience you know they I feel like sometimes they're not as able to like access a place of actually listening because they're just thinking about, you know, their own life, which is natural. Um, Right. Well, that's interesting, though, Brittany, too, because you you said first like that they were projecting something. And mm -hmm. now I understand what you were saying. But when you first said that, what I thought you meant, which I also find to be common when someone who hasn't suffered loss is interacting with someone who is suffering loss is the projection of what they think they're supposed to say. Totally. You know, like that also. And I think that's also there with Xander and Willow. And I mean, Anya says whatever she wants. So she's kind of saved from that. But um, but yeah, I think that that both exist for so many of them that they just don't have the tools to say what's real, which Tara does. Absolutely. And it's like this because Tara has experienced this there's like an unspoken like comfort that she's able to give Buffy that Buffy can't get from anyone else it's like meeting your first other gay person or something it's like once (laughs) once you meet someone who have all who's also lost a parent or has is going through it it's like you instantly feel connected to them and you have this like unspoken connection and this unspoken language that you know, only is shared through, through other people who've experienced that. I have ignored like that most of my, most of my life. It's only within the past few years that I've really started to like seek out these groups. And I'm in two different grief groups, one of which I started and, and obviously also this podcast, um, you know, has created community and those conversations that I have with other people that have experienced it, it, really helps you know me feel not alone them not feel alone and then the people listening it's like it's able to put language and put words to to something that isn't often talked about which I think this episode but also this show in general is able to do in a really great way you I know um really journeyed very deeply into your family's experience of the loss of your mom through your podcast. Mm -hmm. You were sick, so you were so small. And obviously it's something that you lived with for all of those years in different forms, I'm sure. But what was first that journey like for you to explore stuff from all those years ago? I mean, it was so, you know, so many things. It was, it was very hard to hear because I just kept imagining, you know, similar to the way that Buffy was having little like fantasies about, how different her life could be if if this happened, if she was there, if, if, you know, if her mom got better, things like that. Like there's little, you know, fantasies that I would have of how different my life would be and how different I would have turned out if I would have had her around. Um, There's, you know, there's like anger that, uh, you know, was maybe pent up that I've just kind of accepted it as like a fact all my life that this thing happened to me, but I've never actually expressed like a real anger of like how fucked up it was. Um, But then also so much 
like joy to just hear my dad and my aunt talk about my mom in such a positive, sweet way. But, you know, obviously it's, it's very bittersweet to, to know that this person existed, but I didn't get to, to have them around. Um, hearing my dad's story, like hearing my dad talk about my mom was, was definitely the hardest part because I could tell that he does not feel comfortable or or doesn't like the space doesn't exist for him to talk about her very often. My mom died on Valentine's Day and she had been, I mean, she had had pancreatic cancer for four years and she had been told multiple times that she only had, you know, X amount of months to live. And then she just like mentally kept pushing herself, kept doing all these different treatments to just like stay with us for longer. And I guess on my sixth birthday, my birthday is in the end of December, my sixth birthday, that was like her goalpost was or her like her landmark. She was like, I want to at least get past Britney's birthday. But apparently there's no documentation of my sixth birthday. Like, like, <sighs> like they. So my mom was always adamant about like, take a zillion pictures, like mm. videotape yeah. everything. But I guess on my sixth birthday, she just like looked so sickly and ill that mm-hmm. like they, my dad and my aunt thought it was best that like nobody take pictures because right. they didn't want me to remember her that way. I think that I modeled my own way to grieve after my dad because he, you know, all our lives, he just never wanted us to worry to his own detriment. So I think he mm-hmm. repressed a lot of his own feelings because you know, maybe he, you know, he was young, he was in his early 30s. So like, maybe he thought that it was best that he looked, you know, quote, unquote, strong. Maybe he Mm -hmm. thought it was best that like, we didn't see him cry, because then we would feel bad. Like, whatever he did, he, you know, he never wanted to burden anyone or ask for help. And so, you know, obviously me now as a 31 year old, I look back on that. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) fuck, I did that. Like, I, never asked for help. I never talked about it because I felt like talking about it would be a burden, like making other people sad would, Mm -hmm. would be a burden to them. And so I just like shoved it down, which, you know, hopefully this isn't a spoiler by any means, but you know, the next episode is really powerful because, you know, Buffy as a character having to deal with this very human thing where everyone like anyone who goes through this needs help but because we've established her character as someone who has such a hard time ever asking for help because she believes that she could do everything on her own like she refuses to let other people be involved in like 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 she won't she doesn't most of the time she pushes away her friends because she doesn't want them getting involved in like these dark things. And she, yeah, again, she like doesn't know how to ask for help. So having to deal with like this very human thing, you know, how does she, how does she deal with that? And how does the grief come out? And, you know, and, and that was a, you know, season five and season six of Buffy is as an adult, it's where I feel most like, connected to Buffy as the character because Mm -hmm. it's this person who has to who feels like they have to take care of everyone and put up this really strong front but really needs something herself but doesn't know how to ask for it 
Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like the podcast for you was sort of like an opening of that door, like that that was part of the shifting landscape of being able to, I mean, maybe not ask for help so so specifically, but to sort of like open yourself as well. Like obviously you're opening yourself to hearing the stories of other people, but do you feel like you got to connect in ways and grieve in ways that you hadn't before? Oh, a hundred percent. I, I mean, I had like told myself I think for most of my life that this is just a thing that happened to me but it but it wasn't like trauma it doesn't you know it doesn't live in my body Uh it's it's something that I didn't have any control over so therefore I don't understand why it would affect me and so Mm. I think I might have shared this with you at some point but I mean the reason that I like seeked out this therapist that I've been going to for the last two years is because I was in a relationship. Uh, I was in like a two and a half year long relationship where my partner had told me, um, I think that because your mom died, you have abandonment issues. And I was like, you're <laughs> insane. <laughs> and so then I went and saw this therapist. Like, it just feels so silly that as a, you know, I think it was like 29 at the time. It's just like so it's so sweet to look back on and be like, oh, you naive <laughs> little baby. But I had just well, always. It's hard. It's yeah. hard to see things when you're inside of them, too. Definitely. I mean, it's a lot easier for an outsider to like theorize on things that might be happening. Definitely. But yeah, I was able to then like through therapy, through this podcast, through talking to other people, through, you know, more research. I was just able to like give myself more compassion about some of the ways that I am or some of like, you know, the little like activations or little triggers that I have because they all come from this traumatic event that happened. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it, it was, it was a really positive experience for me and it really just like opened my eyes and yeah, just also just gave me more compassion for yeah, like the the very like struggling parts of me and, and realizing mm-hmm. that it was something that I didn't have any control over and I've done the best that I can, you know? Right. I mean, emotions are so funny like that. Funny, maybe not, <laughs> uh-huh, but um, basically you can't escape them, your emotions. You know, like even if you do everything in your power or unintentionally to sort of say like, no, it's okay. That wasn't my experience and I'm okay. Like some way, somehow these emotions will surface um, and manifest themselves. Even if it is, you know, you said you were six when you lost your mom, you're 29 when you're beginning this therapy journey and the podcast and all this stuff like that's a space of many years but they were there for you waiting for you to sort of like address them and and open them up and and explore them and I think that that's so true for so many of us that you know sometimes we can't do things until a particular time we can't face things until a particular time and they'll they'll be there yeah (laughs) definitely and everyone's on their own timeline and grief is like is something that is it's constant it's it's like it comes in cycles and in waves I don't think it's a linear path and I you know I felt a lot of like embarrassment and shame that Mm. I hadn't explored these things earlier but I also like didn't really have the tools something that I feel like we touched on a little bit but that I would love to hear your thoughts more on too is you said in in your podcast you know you're talking about personal experiences, yours and your guests, um, but also that you are talking about a pop culture yeah. moment, reference, what have you. And so 
like, obviously this episode, and I would agree with you, I think like this episode in companionship with the following episode forever, um, exist in that like sort of collection. So can you talk to us maybe a little bit about how you feel about this representation, especially as it stands amongst other representations that are out there in pop culture? Oh, a hundred percent. So as like, uh, I think a common trope among superhero stories is obviously like, you know, a parent dies and that is the inciting incident. That's the origin for, you know, like Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, Punisher, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, like their <laughs> parent, like, ev- like almost every single superhero. It's like a thing that happened in their life that they experienced that has allowed them to now want to fight evil, make the world a better place. It sets them apart from their peers. You know, they don't have family anymore. So now they can dedicate their lives to serving, serving others because they're like, untethered to connections or putting people in danger. But Buffy is, is so much different than that. You know, her pre, you know, pre mom dying, she has so much responsibility that her, her needs and her wants always come last, you know, like the, obviously like the conceit of the first two seasons, three seasons is that she just wants to be a normal high school girl. And, mm-hmm. but she has like this, this thing that sets her apart from all of her peers. But when it comes to death and loss, I mean, it's something that she's always surrounded by. And it's always this like supernatural element where she has to be really emotionless about it because it's mm-hmm. just part of her everyday life. So yeah, like with other superheroes, their parents dying allowed them to be like beyond human or, or mm. made them be super And with Buffy, it's like the inverse, like her mom dying was what showed her that she is human. She's not super only, Mm -hmm. you know, it's Mm -hmm. it's the only evil that she can't fight and win against. Well, something that you mentioned earlier, too, that I think is really important um, and I think kind of is echoed in even what you're saying now is that grief is not linear and also maybe expanded out here. Grief is not something that is going to take a format that you think it's going to take. I actually so there's this book called Motherless Daughters by I think Hope Edelman. But there was Mm -hmm. something in there that was really interesting that was all about. I mean, that's where I was starting to put together that grief isn't linear and that it comes in waves is that she talked about it through the lens of like, you'll experience different versions of grief based on different events in your life. And so the one that I most responded to was when you reach the age of, you know, Mm -hmm. your parent when they passed away. And so I'm 31 now and my mom passed away when she was 31 and she, she got sick when she was 27. And I think around my like, you know, 27, 28, that's when I started being really curious. And so that kind of actually made a lot of sense to me because I think you just have, you know, I can like look at a picture of my mom when, you know, she was in her late 20s, early 30s and be like, holy shit. Like I could not imagine being like going through what you were going through at this age because I just feel like I have so much more life to live and so much more to learn and so much more to feel. And I couldn't imagine what this young person was going through. Cause when I was younger, I was like, 31's old. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but then when you turn 31, you're like, oh my God, I'm still a child. Like I've eaten so yeah. much cereal in the last two weeks. Like I am, <laughs> I am such a, a baby. still. I see, I still see myself as a kid in a lot of ways. And so that mm-hmm. like created a, you know, 
a different wave of grief or, you know, when, if, if you, you know, decide to get married or have kids, like that also adds to it as well, you know, events that they're not going to be at. Like there's just these, you know, these landmarks or milestones in life where you're going to feel different waves of grief. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just not like a, a straight line. Like, I don't think I've ever reached a point of like, except, like, I don't know if you ever really reach a point of like acceptance in some, totally. in some way, like some transcendental way that you're led to believe. Um, yeah. Whoever made the five stages of grief. I know, I know it's a person's name, like, I feel like they were also responsible for the fucking food pyramid that just fucked us all up where I was like, I need to, I need to eat 10 pieces of bread a day. <laughs> you and I, Brittany are, are huge fans of organization. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I know I like, I can understand why, right? Like you would want to take something and put it in a pyramid or put it totally. in a, like, put it in order, but it, it really does, um, you know, food pyramids aside, it, it does a disservice to, um, try to take something that is a process and make it into sort of like a, an outline. Yes. One of the conversations we had, I can't even remember which one now, but somebody also talked about that. Um, the fact that death is also not a, an event that happens like right at this moment, that death is also a process, um, that is messy and not linear, mm -hmm. um, and not what we are often shown, you know, in media to bring it back there. So, so that's um, why I'm, the I'm, representations are so important to see that, like, it's OK to yeah. be this certain way. You know, like even just in this episode alone, we see like six very different and specific reactions to a death. And the beauty of that is that, you know, there's there's people who connect to all parts of those and they and they see that, like, that's OK and that their right. their experience wasn't wrong, because I think that as a kid seeing every Disney movie where like, you know, their parents die and then they become this like special person who, but they also are incredibly alone. You know, it, it just like creates this thing in your mind that like you are incredibly like special and different, but not necessarily in, in the best way. Yeah. And, and also, you know, the fact that, and I think Buffy as a whole series exists like this, where people watch it again and again, because depending on where you are in your life, you, things are going to hit you differently. But I know that that's true for a lot of people with this episode in particular, that, um, you know, people who have gone through loss might watch it, um, you know, one year and really identify with a particular character or a couple of characters. And then, you know, a few years later or several years later, all of a sudden understand, you know, why Xander punches the wall yeah. like that, that like there, th that variety of experience is good for different people and also for sometimes the same person totally. just at different times. And one one day I'll be that I'll be feel represented by that coroner who's like don't touch the body. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> or whatever. And I'll be like, yeah, "Hey, I can't wait he, for that he, journey for you." Yeah, <laughs> he is hardened by this work. He's just trying to do his job. He's direct. <laughs> Um, well, Brittany, will you tell the people who don't know, um, where they can find you, but also where they can find your podcast since it is so, so, so relevant to what we're talking yes, about. Absolutely. Today. So I, my name is Brittany Ashley and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brit 27 Ash. It's B-R-I-T-T 27 A-S-H. I also co-host the Angel podcast, Angel on Top with Laura Zach. You co-host an Angel podcast? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. 
<laughs> wow. I can't. Our interests are so aligned. It's crazy. It's, I know. It's insane. And then Don't Tell the Babysitter Mom's Dead is on Spotify. It's on iTunes. And yeah, you can check that out. Yes. And you should because it's I mean, you should check out all the things that Brittany does. Most of you probably already know that. But in case you didn't, uh, now you do. And in the show notes, obviously, all of those links will be there oh, for you thank so you, you can find them. Um, Brittany, thank you for for sharing your experience with us and like being here for the conversation in this episode, but also for all of the work that you do outside of this conversation um, in providing resources and media representation mm-hmm. for people who are going through um, loss and grief and moving through their own um, messy emotions around all of this. My pleasure. Man, what a great conversation, you know? Something that really resonated with me about Brittany's, about your conversation with Brittany was when she was talking about how, when she was talking about how she had sort of internalized the loss of her mother as like something that happened to her, just something Mm -hmm. that happened to her. And like, you know, it's not like a trauma or anything. (laughs) It's not like something that you're going to be, you know, living with and working through for the rest of your eternal, eternal, the rest of your mortal life. Right. Um, You know, we, I think a lot of us have a tendency to, to take this attitude of like, well, it's just like, it's just something that happened. And I, I just have to like, you know, be tough and like other people have it worse. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure other terrible things are going to happen in life. And I'll just have to you know, muscle through those too. But but to hear Brittany's moment of realization where she sort of like figured out, oh, I need to like give myself space to actually experience this and like yeah. it's okay uh, to need that space. Yeah. You know, like uh, that self-compassion I think is um, so very important and, and something, you know, something we could all to give ourselves a little bit more of yeah yeah I think we many of us do this thing where we say like there's nothing we can do about it right so what what's the point in trying to do anything like I can't change it like that's another avenue of this and it's like no you can't and and I think something Brittany said in the conversation too was it's not like you're just going to find this place of of peace with it like suddenly suddenly there's no more journey to go on but the that journey is important um it's not a journey towards resolving your feelings it's a journey towards understanding your feelings and since mm. feelings change all the time it doesn't end it's it's how in touch are you with your experience and what does that do for yourself and i think what what Brittany is finding, especially with the journey that she's going on through the podcast, is that the more that she's learning about herself, the more she has to offer to other people um, because then she can speak on it. And sometimes we just need these like words. That's why that's why I think that uh, you and I, Jenny, felt so strongly about including many voices in this, because sometimes five people say the same thing, but they say it different ways. And it's the fourth person in line that like unlocks it for you. Uh, And so I think that's also part of the power of journeying through our feelings on loss, our experiences of loss, our experiences of grief, because we then have more to offer to ourselves and others. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, so thank you, Brittany. Obviously, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I think we mentioned this up at the top, but and I assume you all know this. But not only is Brittany uh, part of our friend group, but Brittany is part of our family over at Buffering because she's one of the two co-hosts of our Angel podcast, Angel on Top. Uh, so you know, and also honestly, like I know that you and Brittany have never gone head to head on your Buffy fandom, Jenny, but like. You two definitely of the four of us are the heaviest hitters in terms of Buffy fandom. And and I think that Brittany might outfan you um, for this show. So she, she may be the mm, buffiest of us take. all. Interesting take. <laughs> an, an argument, a debate, a battle for another time. So we are going to move now into a segment from an interview that we did, Jenny, in 2016, which feels like... 100 million years ago, give or take. What about you? How does it feel for you? Approximately, was this in the Paleozoic era? Oh, <laughs> uh, we we had the chance to talk to Christine uh, Sutherland. She was our second cast interview. We had talked with Armin Shimmerman uh, and then Christine. We were we were at Band Candy, is where we were exactly. Um, and so, if you're curious about the pieces of the interview that aren't included here, go back. Uh, it's a fun jaunt, anyway. Us and Kate left talking about Band Candy with an insight yes. for Christine Sutherland. Yeah, it's very fun. So if you if you want something to do after this, go hop back and either re-listen or listen for the first time. But this is the piece of our interview where we talked about the body. And so we tucked it away in a, in a nice little safe spot uh, and said, like, be careful. OK, we're going to need you in like 427,000 years. And luckily, technology is great and it's still here. And we get to share with you the conversation that we had with her about uh, her time working on this episode and just like in general, her experience of Joyce and of post the body sort of like being in the fandom and and all those sorts of fun things yeah so let's take a listen dear listener lean in <laughs> and observe this this beautiful conversation uh some of it available for the first time right now here with christine sutherland <laughs> well christine Thank you, thank you, thank you for taking the time out to talk to us. We are, as you might imagine, very excited to be able to have you on our podcast. Oh, thank you. We love to start with everybody's origin story. Can you tell us about your audition process and your earliest impressions of the character of Joy Summers? <laughs> the The audition page actually just said Buffy's mom. <laughs> How rude. <laughs> yeah, I was actually considering just stopping acting because I didn't like the audition process in LA. And so I was contemplating writing my agent this letter, but it was really hard to write. So I, I was just in this holding pattern. And then he said, <laughs> I've got an audition for you. So I was like, oh my gosh, I have to go to this audition because I haven't told him I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> and then I went in and I only had like four lines. And I thought, gee, I don't know how they're going to tell with four lines. Were you reading at that point with Sarah or, you know, was was this just a, a cold read in a room? Were they testing for chemistry or just? No, no, Sarah wasn't there. I was just reading with a reader and Joss and a few other people were in the room. So I went home and then I was quite surprised when they called up and said, 
you're going to be Buffy's mom. So I patiently waited to find out what my name was going to be. (laughs) (laughs) Joyce was a mom to Buffy, but also a mother figure to so many of the Scoobies. What was it like for you to forge those relationships with the characters and the actors over time? Um, Well, the first forging was my relationship with Sarah, um, which was really easy. It just felt there was a real chemistry between us and uh, it just felt really right and really easy. So, and then the second relationships that I forged were with the rest of the cast, which didn't really happen until season two, Mm -hmm. because I was rarely in a scene with those guys until season two. So the first season, my basic relationship was with Buffy, Sarah. I actually didn't know for a long time that this was going out in the universe. I mean, this was early days of the internet. And (laughs) um, I remember like studying search engines because this was before Google. You know, you'd have to go such and such plus (laughs) sign, such and such plus sign, and you were lucky to come up with anything. Right. Yes. Oh, some of our some of our listeners will be learning this for the first time. Uh, Jenny and I are very much with you on that plus yeah. plus plus journey. So the first time that I really understood what was happening was uh, when we were doing a scene, and I had worn the wrong earrings, and I said to the continuity woman, "Oh well, you know, no one is going to notice." <laughs> <laughs> She looked at me and she went, oh, yes, they will. (laughs) Before that, I didn't really have a concept of the audience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, strangely enough, is the the thing that I love about film work is it feels very intimate. Um, My husband does a lot of stage work and he loves it. The idea for me to be standing on a stage in front of people is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> I've always enjoyed working in front of the camera, and I, I don't know why, because there's there's a hundred people in the room. You know, that's that's a ninety nine seat house in the theater. Right, right, right. But somehow, totally. they were always invisible to me. Mm-hmm. They 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 were people who were all there to support you, and at the end of the day. I always felt that it was just between me and the camera. So, um, and that there was sort of an anonymity about that, which is pretty funny because it ended up being anything but anonymity. <laughs> I'm very, very proud to have gotten the opportunity to play a single mom because my mom was a single mom. And I remember um, when my parents got divorced, very few people were divorced and it was a it was a very socially unacceptable thing to be. There was a world of couples, people in the neighborhood would sort of, you know, that's the people down the street and uh, you know, mm. divorced family that's been impacted by divorce. So I really felt that that sting of, of being the outsider. So but my mom was a, a terrific mom. I mean, she was forging new territory that was <clears throat> very difficult. And things have changed so much over the years. But I think 
television was very much behind the change in our society. And so I, I was really glad to be part of that pivotal turn and represent a mom who was having to struggle with a, you know, a child. And because one of the things that happens in a divorce is your parents lose sort of credibility with their children. They lose a certain amount of authority. And mm-hmm. I think when the show starts, that's something that Joyce is really wrestling with. It's so much a coming of age story. Um, And one of the things that I love about it is that when she's in high school, um, it's a world of black and white. There's there's good and there's evil, and it's really easy to tell the difference. Mm -hmm. And as she gets older, it becomes grayer and grayer, Mm -hmm. which is, of course, what life becomes as you grow emotionally. Yes. So Buffy is a supernatural slayer but she's also a human person growing up in the world. What qualities do you think Joyce gave to Buffy or strengthened in Buffy as her mom? I'm sure that she was a very nurturing mother from the beginning because um, confidence and uh, belief in yourself, I think a lot of that comes from unconditional love by your parents and mm. it's not your father your mother as a daughter you look to your mother as a role model um i think they had a difficult period during the divorce and um you sort of see them starting this new life together which is pretty rocky but i think joyce when she gets over her shock that her daughter is the slayer i think she sort of um you know, at a certain point was able to go with it and, you know, try to be supportive of her. And sometimes watching your children go to places that you didn't go in your life, you support their dreams. And so I think that once they turned the corner on on the Slayer issue, that Joyce wanted to do what she wanted, what she could do to support Buffy. I think at times it was hard for her to fully understand the scope of what her daughter was doing out of the house. Um, But in certain episodes, it came into the house. And so I think Joyce, over time, came to realize the enormity um, of what rested on Buffy's shoulders. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. We know that you have a daughter, um, and we're wondering, this is sort of a two-part question, we'd love to know if your daughter has watched the series. Um, And then in that same vein, as a mom, we're wondering what you think the show has done for, you know, perhaps your daughter, but to to other young audiences, and especially young women in particular. My daughter, because I felt she was too young at the time to watch it, so she wasn't allowed to watch it. How um, old How old was she when the series was airing? She was five. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a little small. And we were talking, we're talking about a kid who, when we put on, we felt she was old enough to watch E.T. Oh. Uh, she sobbed <laughs> and she was terrorized. So, 
<laughs> Buffy was like not on the cards. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Very sensitive. And so uh, that didn't happen. But the first time she saw it was in Italy. We would go back there in the summers. And by that time, she spoke Italian. And I forget what year it was that Buffy hit Italy. And everybody was just, everybody young was absolutely crazy for it. And so uh, with her friend Flavia, they they watched it together in Italian. Incredible. Incredible that her first experience of it was in Italian. Yeah, <laughs> and of course, it was dubbed. And an Italian dubbing is, is so different from what I feel was the essence of Joyce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because their language is so up and down, um, so different than ours is. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I saw it dubbed in German, and I felt that the that the German dubbing was much closer. So oh, that wow. was kind of interesting that that she saw the show, but she didn't hear my voice. Right, right. I wonder if that wow. was ha- helpful in in you know not seeing just her mom on screen. <laughs> Maybe it gave her one step away. <laughs> Yeah, years later, she watched The Body, and that was really hard for her. Wow, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I mean, that episode uh, is devastating for so many of us to watch when it is not our own actual mom on screen. I I cannot imagine what that experience must have been like for her. Yeah, I think in many ways, that's the biggest impact that I've had in terms of what we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. is... I know, especially when I go to cons and people come up to talk to me, that that's the thing that they most want to talk about. There are just so many children and young people who've lost a parent or a sister um, who are trying to come to terms with grief. And it's a really difficult thing to come to terms, terms with grief when you're young. Um, I, I always think about them. There were two sisters who I met in Europe who had lost their mother literally around the same time mm. that Joyce died. Oh. And, and that's something I feel really good about because I lost my father when I was 28 and I had mm. no idea how to handle that. And I lost a boyfriend when he was 15 and I had no idea how to handle that either. Oh you know, they were just these. I remember sitting on the steps of a house and just going, "How can he not be here? Where is he?" Mm. You know, just that. It's just so profound when you're young, and none of your peers generally have experienced that. So you feel you feel terribly alone, and you can't really talk to your peers about it. And what's going on inside of you? You don't want to talk to other adults about it. So I think that is what I I cherish the most is is that episode in which I didn't do anything but be dead. <laughs> I can't say it has anything to do with my acting, but I, I feel so wonderful to be a part of something that helped so many people and continues to help so many people deal with loss and deal with grief. Ah, the thing that was just so unbelievable that struck me was Willow not being able to figure out what to wear. Oh God. I just got the chills when you said that. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I totally understood it because when my father died, I didn't know what to wear. 
I did something kind of wildly inappropriate just because I was, I was so angry at the world for taking him away from me. And so I wore a, a blue and white floral dress with ruffles on it. Very popular at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I painted my nails like neon pink mm. because I was like, I am not wearing black. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything black. I, I don't know what to do. I'm wearing this because I don't know what else to do. You know, I want to I want to stand up to death. Mm. And um, so that that just like, oh, my gosh, I just completely lost it. And 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 I had a hard time not crying through the episode when I was supposed to be dead. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when she came through the door and went, Mom, uh. oh, my gosh, I, I couldn't stop crying. We kept having to, you know, cut because it was like tears rolling down my face. Oh, God. It it kicked in all the old grief of decades ago in losing my father. So Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right that it it brings all that up for everybody. And I think when you do rewatch the episodes, as you get older, things, the meanings of it deepen and, and, and the layers and the metaphors deepen. The more life experience you have, the more you get in touch with the many levels that Joss was was writing about. Christine, thank you so, so much. It's just been such a delight to talk to you um, and to have you as a part of the podcast. Joyce is so dear to so many of our hearts in so many different ways. Uh, So thank you again for being a part of this with us. Oh, thank you guys so much for um, spending this time with me. Of course, of course. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Man, oh man, were we ever so young. (laughs) I know. It was really like I went through the raw audio um, just from start to finish to see, just to do like a new edit and, uh, and figure out which pieces to pull in and I just like I had such tenderness in my heart for um, obviously for Christine, but also for tiny us, uh, yeah, for just, little us. just journeying through, you know, being like, oh, my God, Christine Sutherland. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. And and so, you know, I didn't know and I know, Jenny, you didn't either. I don't think about Christine's experience of loss um, until we had this conversation with her. And she's just I don't know. Every time I listen to it, no matter how many times I go through this uh, interview and hear her voice, I like feel like I'm listening to my my own mom. You know, she just gives you that like comforting feeling like she's going to put some little marshmallows yeah. in your cocoa. She's just so kind and gracious um, and and such a pleasure to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, truly. Something that uh, really struck me, too, in putting Brittany's conversation with Christine's conversation was these parallels, um, both of them speaking about sort of feeling alone in their grief, especially as young people that like, you know, Brittany was sort of talking about being the only young person um, in her grade who had who had gone through this loss. So she was like the touchstone mm. for people. And Christine talked about like, you know, being somebody who had had gone through loss at a young age and didn't know how to connect with other people. And so it just like underlines for me more and more how powerful these conversations can be because there probably are so many people out there who do feel like they don't have a way to connect and they don't have a way to find their experience represented um, or just like find somebody to sit across the table with a cup of coffee and and chat with. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, I was also really 
really interested hearing Christine talk about her daughter's relationship to the show, mm. particularly to the body, but also just sort of like, it was really fun to hear that <laughs> she wasn't watching it while it was airing. And then when she did watch it, she watched it in Italian, <laughs> oh, in an Italian dub. Yeah, there's something like just incredible. Like I would love if any of you have access to find us like a clip of uh, Joyce being overdubbed <laughs> by some, by the Italian actress who overdubbed her. I would yes. love to see it. Because what a funny thing. It's like it's funny enough to see your parent, um, you know, on screen doing anything, I'm sure. But then to like see their face and their mouth moving, but it's somebody else's voice. It's like <laughs> so wild. So we now move along our way. Uh, next week, we'll be back with season five, episode 17, Forever, which I think Brittany, you know, briefly mentioned this in our conversation that, you know, Forever and the body really do go together as a, as a bit of a set. So I'm sure we'll be digging in a little mm -hmm. bit more to, to the topics and the themes and stuff that we've brought up in the last two weeks. But I just I want to thank all of you for being a part of this. Uh, it was and and we've talked about it a little on social media and maybe a tiny bit in the episodes themselves. But it was a really tricky and complicated thing to walk into this episode, one that we've been thinking about for so long in the current landscape, um, because we knew that uh, it was a it was a really difficult time for a lot of people. And I just I, I feel, Jenny, that what we hoped would happen, I think, did happen with these conversations, which is that, yes, it's it's hard, but also a lot of you wrote in to say, like, I haven't watched this episode since I watched it the first time because it was too much, but now mm -hmm. I have this community and I know that you'll be here, you know, Jenny and I will be here to, to talk about it and also that the larger community is here to be there and to sort of like act as this beautiful landing pad for these feelings. And so it's, it's just so special to know that anything that we've done has contributed to you all feeling safe in having these conversations uh, and exploring some of these feelings and these darker and more complicated themes. So yeah, thank you for trusting us uh, yeah. to, to make this and, and, and thanks for listening and thanks for letting us be your, flight attendants uh, is that i love would you like another cola <laughs> i love that i would also like to offer you a biscoff cookie because that is oh reason. hell yeah <laughs> that's truly the reason to fly in the sky uh <laughs> yo i don't want to this is a little off topic but do you know about biscoff uh Cookie butter? Cookie butter. Okay, cool. <laughs> Don't Just even. Checking. Just checking. I'm sorry. I'm a Biscoff aficionado. I know about everything okay. there is to know about Biscoff. But yes, thank you. My for, mistake. You know, some of our listeners might not know that you can spread Biscoff cookies on other cookies or even on Biscoff cookies themselves, which yeah, I call a, a Biscoff sandwich. Squared, Biscoff squared. Biscoff with four Fs. The possibilities are both endless <clears throat> and deeply fucked up. So please enjoy. <laughs> Your Biscoff cookie butter. <laughs> this episode was not sponsored by Biscoff cookie butter, but Biscoff, you can send us some cookie butter for free. Thanks. Yes, please. Please. Um, Jenny, do you want to tell the lovely listeners who you are in case they've forgotten along the way? They yes. got so confused about Biscoff that they are lost now. Up here in first class, I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, <laughs> and mm -hmm, when I'm not flying wow. with friendly skies with uh -huh. all of you... Uh, I am making hot, hot jams. You can hear some of them at JennyOwenYoungs.com. You can find me 
on all these streaming platforms. You can tweet at me at Jenny Owen Youngs. And you can also, if you like, listen to me talk about another petite blonde protagonist over on Veronica Mars Investigations, my other podcast. And I will mention, in case anybody is interested, that recently my co-host Helen made me watch the entire BBC miniseries of Pride and Prejudice, which is six hours long. (laughs) And we made a very special episode uh, in which I explained back to Helen, to the best of my ability, what happens in six hours of Pride and Prejudice. We also do a lot of... um, accent work and impressions mm. in that special episode so if you're looking for something to take the edge off after all of this body talk uh would recommend pride and prejudice um back here in coach hope everyone's feeling cozy i'm Kristen russo <laughs> a woman of the people <laughs> You can learn more about the work that I do outside of this podcast on my website, kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. That spelling will also get you to my Twitter. It will get you to my Instagram. And a place it'll also get you to is me live tweeting lots of movies I have never before seen, uh, which is a part of a podcast that I now do with Joanna Robinson. It is a Patreon-only podcast called Feels Like the First Time. We've journeyed through Lord of the Rings, Alien, Indiana Jones, Mad Max. We're moving into Batman after Batman is the Fast and the Furious. It's a good time. So you can find out all about that at kristinnoline.com. Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. You can always drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. Yes, and you can support us if you'd like by rating and reviewing us, by buying some of our fun, hot, wonderful merch, including our new Why Are Men hoodie, and uh, by joining our Patreon family, patreon.com slash bufferingcast. All of this information, of course, always there for you at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Dot com. Hell yeah. <laughs> and uh, till next time. Out. Out.